Now the shotgun start in golf is full of mathematics. Um, there's a lot of a lot of setup work that we have to do in order to make a tournament work. So I'm going to demonstrate to you just exactly how we do a shotgun start here. And here we go. All right, all right, all right. Gentlemen, start your Greetings and welcome to a Friday edition of the Shotgun Start. It is May 28th. Spencer, how you doing? Uh, you know, I'm a little hot. Gotta be honest, AC in this place? Struggling on, you know, day two of the heat dome. So it is It is in golf parlance, you know, it's just a nice, it's a nice day. I was thinking about what absolute pigs you people are for just walking around in this all day long. I don't think golfers get enough credit for that. The heat tolerance is insane i know it's not just the beer talking either some of you just like to be out there like what's the ultimate state for golf it's like either texas or florida yeah at this point and you hang out there willingly often wearing pants well yeah that's what i was gonna say it's, it's a a pants sport i don't know that buttoned up and you know calves covered i they've started to relax that a little bit in some of these practice rounds and you know even at major championships, you can wear shorts, but then come time to wear for the actual championship, you got to wear pants. There was always some kerfuffle on Twitter about this time of year. You know, some you know haughty individual write an article about you know shorts are for kind of low class, unprofessional people, and it would it would become this big debate. You are firmly team shorts, I would imagine, right? Absolutely, I'm hot. Okay. Like I'm a very warm blooded person, and I've stupid enough to have spent most of my life in extremely hot places in fact the only time i lived out of the country i went to someplace hotter which is really stupid where so, was that again in taiwan Asia's... i lived in yeah i lived in taiwan for a year which was <laughs> like you go oh i would like a really different experience and one would think ah i should go live above you know the arctic circle i should go someplace cold and what i did was go someplace hotter because i'm stupid that's <laughs> That's why I did it. I'm a very dumb individual. So I'm firmly on team shorts. I don't understand, by the way, there's a correlation between sports and a rigid backbone of uptight, usually Caucasian rigidity that coincides with the inability to wear shorts. Every other sport has basically said you can play nude. <laughs> okay. Football, they're just playing nude. You just have to be in, like within a certain you know, level of skin tightedness. You have to have like right. the right... The NFL's funny because they're like, yeah, you can play naked, but it's got to be a very specific kind of naked. The NBA, they're like, just wear shorts, right? The only yep. like the discussion in the NBA was actually for a while it was it was seemingly countercultural to wear longer shorts. That's how that's how opposite <laughs> the NBA is. They're like, right. yeah, we made more shorts. Whoa, <laughs> you know. Uh, then, yep. but then like golf and baseball are the two last holdouts for no. We wear pants. I mean, the White Sox did wear shorts one time, but when the White Sox wore shorts, everyone made fun of it. Whereas I was looking at it and thinking, this makes perfect sense. It's hot as hell out there. One of the great amusements is like the, the baseball manager. I'm not like fully versed in like... a full uniform. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like right. he's a little boy. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right, I've never understood that. I, I know I don't. I don't need him to be in a suit. I, like, there's got to be some middle ground there <laughs> between being in stirrups and like even when it's a hundred degrees and wherever Kansas City. Like, I've never. I don't know all the kind of ins and outs and antiquities of baseball tradition, but like, I I don't understand that one <laughs> at all. So I, that's I always eluded me. I, I think everyone should have to wear what they're wearing on the sidelines: water polo coaches, <laughs> speedos. Yeah. I don't care yeah. if you're some ancient Albanians, you know, 73-year-old man and former water polo player who's 75 pounds plat past his playing weight. You need to wear the little thing that keeps your ears from being ripped <laughs> off your head, and you need to wear a Speedo. Football, football, you should wear a full football uniform. Just an yeah. old man 
in a football uniform. Imagine Bill Belichick looking completely miserable inside a full face cage, full cage helmet. <laughs> no, I think that needs to be happy. Happen. Some of those body types for some of those coaches might be a little jarring to see in pads. You know, next I'm ready. To, to I'm ready. No, players, that's fine. But, no, that's fine. Uh, let's 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 hang it all out there. Like golf, I I fashion wise, and especially retro fashion wise, golf at least gives. <laughs> You at least have the dignity of wearing somewhat normal clothing, sure. some semi-normal. You kind of Semi. can turn yourself into like a discreet billboard. And yep. I do enjoy when golfers push the limit on that. When golfers go one or two logos past what's considered tasteful, that to me yeah. is very humorous because it's turning a golf player into something closer to a NASCAR driver. Yep, with a full suit covered with patches. Like who is the player who? Who was the player who pushed that envelope hardest and was just turned to, like was close to turning himself into like a gigantic well, NASCAR machine? Like Zach Johnson of all people, because he's just sort of a, a dial tone, right? There's not a lot there uh, of all people. He looked like in NASCAR. I always use the like a minor league baseball outfield wall, just kind of like one like <laughs> billboard after another. Like it's kind of not not in size, but in quantity, just a bunch of little ones peppering you from like the shoulders, chest up. Zach Johnson's up there. There's this Colombian right now named Sebastian Munoz, a favorite of this podcast, who's got a giant, and we're still trying to figure out the origin of how they came to sponsor a golfer, a giant Flex Seal sponsorship, you know, that like paid for programming where the guy slaps the side of the water tank with some sort of adhesive. And I don't know why he's on a golfer, but Flex Seal, giant, like really bright neon colors. On the chest of a golfer is, is is the current kind of billboard that we're amused by. So. Uh, now, oh my God, no, it's right there on the shirt. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And now I'm just now I'm just thinking about the most mesmerizing infomercial of all time, the one where the guy slaps the flex seal on the water leak. Yeah, yeah, yep. Billy Mays, I don't know, whatever that guy's name was. Yes. So we've become enamored with with Sebastian Munoz. Simple. There was some connection they were drawing to Colombian being like some sort of rubber growing rubber capital of the world. And that is like a primary ingredient in flex seal. It sounded like a, a stretch, but I, I well-founded, I, I suppose the, the reasons why they came to sponsor that Colombian player. So his celebration should be the slapping motion from that ad, <laughs> right? So like slaps the trophy or something, right? Yeah. Like he's slapping the trophy as if it were a leaking clear, <laughs> like barrel that's yeah that's what i really want him yeah. to do this is a, now and now sebastian munoz is my favorite golfer thank you <laughs> good by way of introduction by the way i should say this is spencer hall i know we're seven minutes in but this is generally how this podcast goes you mentioned it was hot is that because you're in atlanta you are a former colleague of mine former boss of mine at, at sb nation uh you can be found on twitter at edsbs I don't know if I need any more introduction. You know, you're the senior, whatever. I, I what? I don't. You know, do you care? Do you? Is there some title I need to, to bestow upon no, you? What, where no, are you? Okay. A, right now, I'm All in right. the professional guest stage of my career. Okay. So I now just go on other people's podcasts. Okay. And and as a guest, it's like what growing up, what Tony Randall was for any talk show. You just call right. Tony Randall and said, "Hey, we'll give you lunch if you yeah. just come down and take this empty spot." And yeah. he's, you know, he would say, well, of course, I'll be right there. So uh, I'm I'm honored to be oh, come on. on the Shotgun Start, come which on. is the golf podcast probably closest to my own sensibilities, you know, uh, because because I know that, like, there are other golf podcasts that sometimes, you know, talk about, like, the primaries and what the primaries are doing. And that's all very nice and interesting. For instance, we will, I promise, listener, we will talk about brooks and bryson because i like stories of men hating each other i think this yeah. is a wonderful it's one of my favorite storylines it's right up there with rich guys burning money rich guys burning money like rich idiots burning money is also my favorite so we're kind of in that neighborhood anyway but we will talk about that but um sebastian muñoz having a massive flex seal sponsorship that's a bigger story for me personally you've written about golf before though i mean as, as bamani jones calls you the best college football writer alive i would concur with that but you you've dabbled in every kind of sport writing about every sport or commentating on any and all sports uh in culture and life in general but what have you written about golf i know you've done the phoenix open you've done the masters which are two similar events <laughs> in sensibility, two different same, same sensibilities same universe <laughs> i've done i've done that um, I've done did the waste management open. That was one of the more fun assignments I've ever had. 
because yeah. it's a great place to see a lot of toxic bro behavior that gets toned down because of the nature of the sport. So you get a lot of the playfulness behind it without necessarily the malice because they'll throw you out if you're being, you know, too out of pocket. Right. Um, I, but I really, I loved, I loved that. I thought that was entertaining as hell, especially because right. you find out what golfers I loved. Think about waste management open. I love besides <clears throat> the spectacle around, right? If you don't understand, like, I've referred to Western bro behavior. Western bros are a completely different kind of bro. Okay. Like the whole fitted cap, the whole like yeah. fitted cap and yeah. uh, puka shell crowd who are right. now, you know, turning like 40 and 50. They're yeah. amazing. Like they've, they have never put on sunscreen. <laughs> they have, they have never backed off of the Guy Fieri lifestyle and are still going hard into it at like 50 years old, yeah. which is, a sight to behold but besides that i liked finding out which golfers like to crowd there are golfers yes. there are golfers who could play rockstar golf there are guys who are completely used to that and in fact thrive in it like i think if every tournament had a roaring crowd that wasn't particularly well healed about when they <clears throat> cheered or not was just loud as hell all the time right like seems to me ricky fowler would be way more successful than he already is because he he thrived on that. Yeah, yeah, he's done well in Phoenix several times. You also, oh, by the way, there's some kid at Florida named Ricky Castillo who's bringing mm-hmm. back the puka shell necklace. He's like one of the best amateurs in the world. He's from <laughs> yes! California, so I think that <laughs> yes! kind of that tracks with your your Western bro. But he's a he's like this tall drink of water, thin kid. He's incredible. He's gonna be like an absolute stud. But yeah, he just. He's, he plays oh. in Florida. I don't know how he ended up in Florida out of California, but Ricky Castillo. But he wore this puka shell necklace at the Walker Cup, which is just like the absolute distillation <laughs> of kind of the old clubby uh, sort of white guy. It's the amateur matches. It's named after George Bush's whatever grandfather, the Walker Cup. And there was Ricky Castillo in his puka shell necklace, probably the best player out there. So he and he's at Florida now, I think so. Please, uh, please say, please say he pulls up to tournaments in like a hopped up Mitsubishi Evo. <laughs> he, he may be now, I suppose, when he gets when he gets turns pro. Yeah, that'll transition to I have no idea. You would know better than I. But yeah, that, that may be sort of his brand at the moment. So um, you also, in addition to covering golf, I want to or writing about golf covering. I don't know. It's such a loose term. But you once had a thread about watching like professional athletes up close and like how that is just uh-huh. not a different human, different creature, different species. I swear golfer was in there about you there. like up being close. I mean, obviously I don't know if it's like middle linebacker, like filling the hole or whatever, running back, but like, why was that? Was that from the master? It was just, what, what was it about seeing golf professional golfers up close that like, this is not, a, this is not our species. I think it, it mostly came from the masters because if you're a fan going to the waste management open, sometimes it's hard to behold precisely what somebody's doing. The crowds are so big and they're so close yeah. in some places following some golfers. It's not always that way. I followed Tony Finau around the waste management open for a while and Tony Finau. Okay. He's got people. Tony Finau has a crew, but it was yeah. like 15 people who are all very <laughs> supportive of Tony Finau. <laughs> yeah. And and that was not Ricky Fowler. Like if you followed Ricky, you know, he had guys yelling, big dick, Rick, you know, like <laughs> right, right. favorite thing I've ever seen at a golf tournament. But I followed Adam Scott around the masters when I was there and I did not enjoy the masters to this point. It's a very creepy place to me. Like it is an sure. unnatural creepy place because it is a private club that has been manicured to look like the Truman show. And if, if that doesn't explain what it is up close, you know, everything spray painted. They tell you uh-huh. uh, the volunteers will tell people walking barefoot, you know, like if ladies have on heels, sometimes I'll take them off and yep. start walking with the shoe has any kind of heel <laughs> and you'll hear the volunteers go, I wouldn't walk on that because there's, you know, there's like, it's paint. dead. Yeah. It's all yeah. dead. Like even the flowers that you see blooming have been iced. They're going to die in three days. It's just like this, it's this really overly manicured, dead space that's made entirely for tv so i and i understand a lot of people can shake that and still sort of enjoy the experience i couldn't like it's just at every turn it was overwhelming but the cool thing was that the golfers are really kind of on a platter there 
um, unless you're following one of the like two or three leaders, yeah, you can really watch them work. And I didn't really fully appreciate how much better they were at the extremely hard thing they were doing anyway right. until I watched Adam Scott for a couple of holes. Um, I did follow um, uh, Miguel and Hel Cabrera for a while because why wouldn't I? Yeah. Um, Jimenez. And, Jimenez. The I'm McKinney, sorry, Jimenez. McKinney, yeah. You got it. Angel Cabrera, Miguel Angel Jimenez. Yep. I, I have yep. made a gigantic mega athlete out of the two of them. I'm very <laughs> proud of them. myself. Right. Right. Um, but but following following the two of them around, like Adam Scott put a shot through a window at Augusta that I don't think I don't think other people even saw. It was like a little right. you know, he hit he hit it in the straw, he had hit an approach shot, and he hit he punched it through a skylight essentially in the trees and did it with accuracy and calm and i the meant like as if the physical skills of golf weren't difficult enough as if it wasn't already the world's hardest party trick like that's what golf is it's just the world's hardest party trick to say i'm going to take this piece of like metal and i'm going to put this ball into the cup over there that's literally a party trick as if it weren't that already watching someone do that i was just thinking you know you put yourself in your shoes and you go oh i'm gonna fail i'm gonna fail and then you hit the next you get to the next shot and you go oh god i'm gonna fuck this one up too like i'm gonna fail this is right the mental reserve it has to take to do that and to be out there by yourself the whole time with no one else really to rely on like the caddy's out there but you can't tell the caddy you know, hey man, pump pump me up for this one. You know, like that's yeah. not that's not the caddy golfer relationship from what I've seen. Right. Um, that may be there a little bit, but it's not like you know you can sit there and go, man, the ghosts of every shot I've hit on this hole this week are catching up to me right now. And no, you can't do any of that. You just have to do it. So golfers to me are, are almost like pitchers or quarterbacks in that they have to have no memory whatsoever, other than the logistics and details of the situation they have to block out everything else so like they just have to wipe if you if you get a 17 guess what you still have to play the next hole right you know if you get a a quintuple bogey you might get bird like a pro will get a birdie on the next hole that to me is mind-blowing because the normal person would collapse they would just no they would just they would just be done and right I will, I will tell anybody like, for, by the way, also, this was somewhat backed up by a lot of college strength coaches. I talked to college football guys who, you know, they train linebackers and offensive linemen and build monsters. But I said, who pound for pound are some of the strongest people you deal with? And they said, golfers, you, you have no idea how really? strong some, yeah. He, he goes, you know, it's a very specific kind of strength, but what we trained them to do um, for what we trained them to do, they're fiendishly strong, just both in terms of power generation, grip, and uh posterior chain yeah using the ground forces right coming up on the ball yeah that's yeah that's that's a good segue because we are well let's go to two of two aesthetically at least stronger looking players in golf right now to the more accomplished players right now you mentioned them earlier brooks kepka bryson dechambeau this has boiled over into a very non-golfy public sort of social media feud uh it feels like we're touching up a little bit on showmanship, WWE manufacture, which is perfectly fine and good too. But I, I, I think it originates with some some real hatred. I don't think I know it originates with some real hatred. At least going Brooks to Bryson, Brooks's direction towards Bryson. Like Brooks does not like Bryson at all. Bryson, I think, is probably a little more. Uh, just aloof and out there and just going about his business in his very weird sort of loud way that bothers people uh, probably wants to be liked and accepted by um, someone like Brooks, someone, other players who are at the very top and very popular. Uh, but I think Brooks, at least it originates with Brooks really, really disliking Bryson and what he stands for, what, how he goes about it. Uh, Bryson now, I guess, in, has to respond in kind and not like Brooks, but just as, as part of the news, so the video comes out, this this cut video that got out of the production truck has 10 million views. We talked about it on Wednesday episode. So that's sort of the background of the whole week. It kind of overwhelms Phil Mickelson winning a major at 50 years old. Then, you know, this news of this match comes out on Wednesday night, Wednesday afternoon. It's going to be uh, Phil Mickelson and Tom Brady against Bryson DeChambeau and Aaron Rodgers. We'd heard about this last week and that, 
I don't think Aaron Rodgers wants to play much with Bryson, but wants to be involved from what I understand, like wants to be in these. I, I, I don't know that that was uh, something he eagerly wanted, someone he eagerly wanted to partner with. Uh, Brooks, just out of nowhere, says, sorry, bro, to Aaron Rodgers. Uh, you got to partner with that guy. Uh, Bryson responds, I'm living rent free in your head. Brooks responds, you know, with some video that was captured by a citizen journalist last week where he gets mad that someone calls him Brooksy. Phil comments, you know, has to jump elbow it, crowbar his way into it, says, I feel like I'm getting in the way of something, but let me know if I can be of help. Tom Brady sending memes that's sort of getting at, at, at Bryson being just a pain in the ass. So this is where we are. It's a very, very public feud that we don't see in golf. Uh, the living rent-free in your head are not terms of engagement we see in golf between, at least publicly, between players. Uh, Spencer, what do you make of this? You talked about two guys lighting cash on fire. In this instance, there's some sort of conspiracy theories that this is a play for this new... I mean, basically, the PGA Tour has given out $40 million to 10 players who have like high clout scores, more or less. It's just uh-huh. like this way... It's this ridiculous sort of kind of ham-fisted attempt to keep them from going to this Saudi-funded league, right? These guys that are high-profile, more or less drive engagement, are going to get this a cut of this $40 million. Some people think this is part of it, but I think it originates with, with these guys actually hating each other. Now, they may lean into it, uh, but uh, did you ever expect you would see something like this in golf? What do you make of these two specific characters kind of engaging in it? Uh, I didn't really expect to see this in golf because yep. more than any other sport golf has sort of maintained the like complete button downness for instance you know like yep. the last time i can remember two players having a beef like this um would that be when phil and vj like were allegedly yes. at each other's throats in 2005 over some spikes yes at the remember, Masters. which yep. which delights me because as if right. byron dechambeau wasn't sort of ticky and irritating enough the spikes like just the yeah. sound of the spikes in that video is the funniest thing about that video because you can hear them as he's walking in the back, the crunch, crunch, crunch as he's going along. And like whatever he said, it would have been enough for Brooks to just have seen him there. I'm I'm surprised by it, but it does make sense because if you're already in a if you're already in a shoot, why not turn it to a work? in wrestling right. terms right. if you're right. if you already don't like this person if i could monetize it that'd be real easy um <laughs> right. by the way brady immediately getting in with memes indicating how irritating bryson is that's another good read from tom brady because that's right. that's bryson's whole thing it's just to right. generally be irritating right down to guy who wears a different kind of hat guy who well, wears a different kind of hat's always going to be kind of irritating i say that as somebody who wears a slightly different kind of hat well, that's the whole thing. The hat, the spikes, like it's just illustrative of like being a little extra, right? The spikes are not, I mean, that was like a thing of the 80s and 90s. It's not necessary. And the guys that do wear them are just kind of viewed as like, you're just being a little extra. It's, it's, and I honestly thought that was the origin of why he, Brooks, was like rolling his eyes. Then, of course, he comes barreling through chatting very loudly. But I thought it was just because he doesn't have time for the like, kind of dorks wearing the lawn spikes but yeah it's just a little bit extra i think if like one thing irritates you about bryson the next 99 things will also irritate you about him right because there's no shortage of those things and that's also one of the things that makes him really funny that if as a character is that he's not particularly likable (laughs) there's very little that's likable about him but there's a lot that's endlessly fascinating he is what I would write if I were to write a character that is an irritating golfer. I would make sure that he still wore spikes, had a dumb hat. I would make sure that he taught about like that that he publicly discussed things like uh, planar distribution of velocity and you know made up scientific terms that you know are just bullshit, but that he thinks are real, right? Like, right, right. You know, yeah, the torcular karma I got from that was really instrumental <laughs> in me putting it on there, you know. <laughs> Things like I I love that he is completely full of it a lot of the time and so high on his own supply that he believes he is making an entire science out of this game that I don't think Brooks Kepka necessarily thinks is that complex. That's right. That's, that's the other thing is that Brooks just I don't I think their approaches to the game are at root completely different 
and in a way that I don't think either of them can particularly tolerate because one is wrong and the other one is is irritating. It's just so irritating to him. Viewing from the outside, like, do you think this is good for golf? Indifferent? Does it yeah. matter? I, okay. That's what yeah, I, no, I it's figured, it, right? it's good. You got two guys who hate yeah. each other. This is something that you don't like open disdain for an opponent. That's yeah. what you really only see in like the NBA. You, you right. might see that in the NBA. And if then it's, it's really not for long and you won't actually see them fight. They might swing on each other a couple of times, but uh, on the whole, they're not really going to want to fight too much. Like the only retired NBA players sort of go at each other on social media like that. For Brooks would be like caught rolling his eyes on camera and so consumed with hate. He goes to like Madeline Kahn and clue levels of feet of peak, <laughs> right? Like yeah, I just right. can't even like, I hate that dude so much. It's just, I, it's pure. It's pure right. and it's genuine. And even if that bit is like even slightly worked, I think there's something genuine at the bottom of it. Yeah. And for them to for them to like turn that around and monetize it why not you know i have right. i have absolutely no problem with that i have absolutely no problem with the big golfer uh being himself because i don't think he has much of a choice and i have no point with brooks being brought up because fr- frankly brooks i think could be kind of a dick too yes. like a familiar a familiar kind like one who's right. not a, a guy who can't hide his irritation like brooks brooks is the kind of guy who, when you don't go at the light for a nanosecond, takes his hand off the steering wheel and turns it palm up, palm upwards. Like, what's with this guy? Like, he's one of those guys who walks around all day long just going, what's with this? Who's this guy think he is? Also, maybe the guy who might have a, still have a chip on his shoulder about not being recruited to Florida and settling, having to play at Florida State. Apparently, yeah. That is, a, yeah. that is a thing that still burns with him. But um, little bit little bit of chip there you know also (laughs) this too like i don't blame like brooks kepka got to that point where the slightest little bit of everything being different made him a uh a magnet for pga media analysis you know like him losing weight him losing weight was called selfish to be that's on the yeah that's unreal right for the body okay yeah okay well what if you just wanted to lose 20 pounds anywhere else in life they'd go well you know good for you you lost 20 pounds great job and golf suddenly i have a council of imaginary elders who are going no 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 you needed your girth for gravitas you could not do this for it you could not do this for a calendar shoot yeah i don't know if he wants to hang his ass out in a calendar shoot let him you know i get that like if i were brooks kepka i'd be pretty irritated too it's a good point Good point. Uh, I think the only risk we run is if like some inauthentic glom, you know, people try to glom onto this faux like contra- uh, faux sort of feud, and we have oh, this is popular. They're like these are this has people like you know non golf fans like yourself amused, making something of the memes, interested in who these two characters are. You know, this originates with actual hatred and. Uh, the tour will try to bottle it up, even though these two may not try to monetize it. The tour never will because everybody's got to be a gentleman and it's a players run league and, and everybody needs to get along. Uh, the I don't know. Maybe the outside organizations like a USGA puts them together for the US Open. I wouldn't hold my breath for it. But again, you run the risk of sort of the inauthentic. Some people seeing just sort of the mania around these tweets and the back and forth and you don't want it to devolve into that in the irony for the irony for me is something that you wrote about on the fried egg which was that's not even who brooks was irritated with this week Mm -hmm. that's not even who was was really sort of goading him for the entirety of kiowa the guy who was messing with them the most in the last round was phil phil just dicking around and being you know kind of pokey and deliberate about what he does infuriating a fast player like brooks that's and, and if you wonder like why he went off Imagine that happens. Imagine you get the crowd bumping you up. Imagine you make a statement in public about getting your knee knocked sideways. And then on top of that all, right at the peak of irritation, and this is why it's so funny, who's the worst person who could have showed up at that moment for Brooks Kepka? Bryson! That's the worst person, and his timing is perfect, right? You're like, who's the exact person to take this bad party and turn it into a disaster right now? That's it. The red cape in front of the bull. That's who showed up because, and and the funniest part about it is 
Bryson had perfect timing with it, and he was just being himself. He's awful <laughs> just being himself for Brooks Kepka, and it's that's a, what makes it so funny. It's a perma-irritation at the wrong time. Yeah! Um, so, with, like... I, it feels like this, I, I don't know, golf is fickle. Like, uh, the, both these guys could be kind of down the world rankings in 18 months. I, I don't see that coming, but uh, it feels like this sort of feud has the possibility to really, def- not define, but become a big part of this era. Are there like, you you know college football history, you know sports history in general so well. Like, Are there two personalities for you? That like it originated with real hatred, but then they kind of they leaned into it, understood it was probably better for the whole. But like it was an actual feud, but it became part of the spectacle of an era of of not, not rivalries like gets thrown out all the time. But personalities, whether they're coaches, I don't know, quarterbacks, something like that, where this guy really hates him, but also realize uh, realizes it's beneficial to both that they sort of lean into it, and this becomes the spectacle of this part of the sport. Is there someone that jumps off the page? Do you like that? I mean, people who actually disliked each other, Daryl Royal and Barry Switzer really disliked each other yeah. to the point where Daryl Royal, you know, it's it's thought that it's thought that generally one of the reasons Daryl Royal got out of the business was because he just didn't want to be the kind of person you had to be to succeed anymore. Right. <laughs> and that kind of person was Barry Switzer. Uh, that may be exaggerated by the mists of time, but it's there. Uh, Spurrier and like three or four different guys really like had beef for a while i spurrier accused bobby bowden of trying to injure danny werfel in the 96 97 season and that was real for a while that was like heated and bad and did not uh did not go well for a while they've they've since reconciled just like spurrier has allegedly reconciled with everybody but uh the one that i saw that i actually thought were two dudes who like legit both hated each other but did not understand the other at all like two robots trying to size each other up was Jim Harbaugh and Pete Carroll when they were coaching respectively uh, at USC and Stanford. So okay. what's your deal? I, I don't think either one understood how much they were pissing off the other simply by existing, right. that they were actually very similar in terms of blind drive and in terms of approach, but also that, that they were never, ever going to understand. They were never, ever going to stop pushing at each other. So I think those are two people who actually disliked each other. The last one is probably Jimmy Johnson and Lou Holtz. Jimmy Johnson and Lou uh-huh. Holtz because the, Jimmy Johnson had Jimmy Johnson had no concerns for anything uh, sacrosanct about Notre Dame whatsoever. And Notre Dame had to sort of, uh, and Lou Holtz being the hustler that he was, had to act like he was the white hat in this situation when in fact he was as much of a black hat as Jimmy Johnson. Oh, yeah. Jimmy just oh, never yeah. bothered to hide it. ever no matter where he was you know and they actually like notre dame got into a brawl like a a brawlity brawl with miami over this jimmy was also the guy who jerry faust last game scored the most points like ever scored on notre dame (laughs) with his third stringers and when asked why he was still playing he's like well the third string was hot they wanted to play (laughs) they wanted to throw you know what am i supposed to do you're getting beat by the third stringers come on so i think like those are those are all legit beefs that took either some time to heal or never quite healed. My favorite running gag though, right now, and I think it's very close to Brooks and Bryson in personality, if not in position and status, Lane Kiffin's currently coaching in the same division as Nick Saban and Uh, Lane Kiffin profoundly irritated Nick Saban as an employee, but was so successful that he had to continue to employ him. Please note (laughs) that the minute, the minute that Lane Kiffin bothered to so much as sniff at another job, Nick fired him immediately and just told him (laughs) to get out. That is, that is still one of my favorite, like, Oh, is he gone? Gone. Okay. (laughs) yeah finally this is gonna feel so good please get out of the building i'll just hire the guy (laughs) who was a lot like you at usc and now lane is at old miss and i don't think this is one of those deals where you go well old miss is going to compete and they're gonna definitely like stay at pace with alabama no 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 i just think everything about old miss v alabama right now is lane kiffin doing everything he can to make it so that Nick Saban has to prepare for everything that he hates most in a game. That's the funniest thing to me is that Ole Miss didn't hire somebody who would necessarily compete or surpass Alabama. (laughs) It's not really possible at Ole Miss. They just hired somebody who is an irritant designed specifically for Alabama. That's beautiful. Right. 
right? I, 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 I think like everything you say, like on the whole, it makes sort of the spectacle of, of the sport better. And I think, you know, hopefully we're leading to that with this feud, which, which is originates with some authentic, authentic hatred. So, um, all right. So that kind of shit talking back and forth originated because, uh, or came out because of the announcement of this match. Do you have any interest in these like QB golfer sort of mishmash matches last year during quarantine? The Brady one was, I mean, the first seven holes might've been the highlight of all, you know, the first like eight months of the year when he split his pants was so, so, so bad. Uh, do you have, do you take any interest in these, these kind I do. Of celebrity matches? I do. I do. And I take more or less depending on who's in them. I think, you know, Peyton was in the last one and Peyton's funny. So, yeah. you know, like Peyton being mic'd up is always funny in any situation. If you've ever seen Peyton Manning and his center, Jeff Saturday, get into it in a clip from NFL films, it's one of the funniest things you'll ever see because the two of them start screaming at each other over whether you should run or pass the ball. And Peyton is squeaking away going, I'm the quarterback. I'm the QB. I'm the <laughs> Jeff is telling him to go sit down. Like he's his dad. Yeah. Uh, Tarek Glenn has to interview, like intervene. Like Tarek Glenn is like six, seven, just giant of a man has to come between them. And then Peyton sits down and goes, I'm mocked up. Great. Great. It's going <laughs> films. And you're watching it going, Oh, this is so awesome. He realized it. Um, I like it because they're mic'd up and you don't actually get much, you know, casual access to people. And it's not like they're completely unguarded on the mic, but you do get to hear people talking like they're people. And if one of them's Phil, that's always going to be entertaining because Phil's just Phil's good on the mic. Phil knows he's on the mic for sure. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. He knows he's he's a ham. So like Phil, Phil being a ham. And particularly coming off of, uh, I think, a moment where he's going to be feeling himself more than any 50-year-old on the planet. <laughs> yeah. Yep. That's that's going to be funny. Like, Phil's obviously the kind of guy who you're not getting away from the game with him without losing some money. So that's entertaining to me that he's one of these guys who's obviously like, I, I think he thinks in his head, and he's probably right, that he could go make a living hustling people on unis if he wanted to like he could just go hustle people on courses and that's fun to listen to uh it was fun to watch brady suck it kind of yes foiled the whole thing that he actually got like a you know really lucky amazing shot and one thing because i just wanted to suck the whole time (laughs) for personal reasons and speaking of the mic like he he clearly came across as much more uncomfortable than peyton his name is like pay dirt he calls people babe like but it was an interesting like that was authentically him apparently he calls people babe all the time and pay dirt was the name for peyton so like but just not as smooth or or entertaining i suppose a little more awkward but are there like go ahead no, I was going to say this time. This time, who we got? We've got Brady. We've got Rogers. Should, Aaron Rogers. Who is? It's going to be Aaron Rogers on his own little, you know, I don't know, midlife crisis mystery ride right now. So he could be interesting, entertaining. <laughs> if I hit that energy, you might get weird. Yeah, a I, little bit. I, I, I think you might get. Uh, that might be not as cool as people think. Right. Like the, the Aaron <laughs> Rodgers, Bryson DeChambeau combo. That's going to be tense. Yeah, because be I think Aaron Rodgers is the chill guy who's actually not chill, and you know it probably doesn't have that much patience. And Bryson DeChambeau is the person who demands the most patience in the room at all times. <laughs> That's a good point. Good yeah, point. like I... Bryson's a little close to Bryson is a little close to just like let's talk about golf, and you say, well, hey, uh, what else can we talk about? And he's like, math. Do you like math? And you're like, ah, this is not going to go well. It's not going to be a fun moment. Uh, are there quarterbacks, past, present, living, deceased that you would have loved or would love to see for something like that? I mean, Kenny Stabler. Kenny yeah. Stabler. Like, I thought you might go there. Just, for just, just jump. Because you know what? You're getting a 24-pack in the card on TV. <laughs> yeah. That's not even – That's not. and he's going to be smoking. That's not optional. He's going to be wearing, like, some serious South Alabama golf wear. Those shorts yeah. are going to be super short. Socks are going to be pulled all the way up to the knees. That shirt might come off by like hole four. <laughs> yeah, he's gonna be out there. He's gonna be out there livid, and the TV crew will not be ready for it. That would have been a good one. He would have been great. He, I assume, he played golf at some point or another. It was a recreationally passing interest, or maybe not. Maybe he's too busy. Just maybe he was too slow, too timid. <laughs> maybe he was too busy with. For. Yeah. What else do you play? I play boat. That's what <laughs> I was gonna say. Play. <laughs> All right, uh, let's get to real quick results check in. 
Old Miss, you mentioned the uh, Lane Kiffin earlier. Old Miss wins the women's NCAA championships on uh, that was Wednesday night. So congrats to the Swinging Sharks or something they call them. I, I, obviously, uh, but the women's big big time. I think it was their first golf NCAA title winning the women's side. The men start later this weekend. So congrats to them. Uh, currently at Colonial Charles Schwab Challenge. Jordan Spieth leads by two. In Fort Worth. Have you ever been to Fort Worth? Have you ever been to I TCU? Have. Cover a game or watch a game at TCU? I've never watched a game at Eamon Carter, but I've been to Fort Worth and Fort Worth is uh delightful. Fort yeah. Worth is Fort Fort Worth is cool. It's the like actual it, it's it's a bit more if if TCU is a bit more or and Fort Worth are a bit more real, SMU and Dallas are definitely into the realm of the unreal. Sure. In terms of how the city feels. So I'm probably a little more at home and the Fort Worth side, particularly because I don't know, there's a lot of remnants of like what is obviously a stockyard based city there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. ah, look, there's a lot of metal tubes and cans everywhere. Yeah. Right. Well, they call it like the gate to the West or the, like the, yeah, gate yeah. To the was, West or something like where that. You, yeah. The... Which is a sneaky way of saying, here's where we actually slaughtered the cattle and Dallas, <laughs> which is not far away is very, very snobby about that. Yeah. There seems to be a very kind of sibling rivalry. Very, disparate identities and i think they lean into both of them or at least the fort worth folks do for sure uh yeah, colonial is a great event colonial is a great event um at the lpga bank of hope uh it doesn't matter whatever this is the 18 hole it's a match play all i have to note is carlotta saganda won her match they walked off and penalized her for slow play so she lost her match she lost the 18th she had won it on the scorecard. They gave her a penalty for slow play, and she loses to Sarah Schmezel, which is the kind of, I don't know, rigid slow play enforcement I would love to see across the entire game. I mean, this is it's sort of a subjective, uh, a subjective measurement, right? It's never like, it shouldn't be, right? There should be a clock, but I guess you, you start to get into when did a player start his routine or his or her routine and when do they stop and all that. But, uh, you know, we have... Officials on the record saying, you know, slow play penalties might take food off the table or of a of a millionaire golfer's kid. I, I don't know. But this seems like the kind of uh, sort of standard we should aspire to where it flips an entire match. And Carlota Saganda is notoriously slow. I think it was the Women's Scottish Open last year where she just put put the whole tournament to ground it to a halt. So um, at the senior PGA, still too early in Tulsa. Have you run to Tulsa? Spencer, I feel like you've been to Tulsa. No, Stillwater. No, no, I, I've, been I've been to Stillwater, but I did not make a trip all the way to Tulsa. I want to go there for many reasons. One of them being, it's actually one. It's actually beautiful, uh, and two, it's got like the large one of the largest collections of Art Deco buildings, like ex, like existing oh, Art Deco buildings in the really? world. Because yeah, because I think everybody hit oil out there in like the the teens and twenties and didn't know what to do with it. So they just, you know, they're like, I'll get a fancy architect here. Build me a building. <laughs> I saw reports of John Daly out at the casinos nearby before an eight oh five tea time this morning. A- Amen. Amen. <laughs> Which sounds appropriate. Uh and then on the European tour, the Made in Himmerland, presented by Freya in Himmerland, Denmark. We've got a bunch of guys tied. Among them, Bernd Wiesberger, Lori Ruska, the Finn, uh, Richard Bland, otherwise known as Dick Bland here, Pablo Larotteball, <laughs> uh, and Yukon Chain out uh, of Korea. So a bunch of leaders in, in Himmerland. Uh, you've, have you ever been to Denmark, Spencer? I know you've no, traveled I've... quite a bit over Seat. Yeah, I've 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 waited those toward countries where I think it would be harder to be older than younger. So I've been to a lot of places in like East Asia, only okay. a few places in Europe. Okay. You know, I've been to okay. I've been to like France and Turkey. I've been to Turkey, oh, uh, which was oh, which was that. delight which was delightful. Istanbul is an amazing city, and Paris is an amazing city. I know Copenhagen is allegedly the world's happiest city. So I don't know why you'd want to play golf. Yeah, they don't. Well, they don't have a lot of golfers. Although they do have this week, Johannes Veerman, he qualified for the U.S. Open in Dallas, which was hit by like rain all week. So the qualifier went all week, he, and then he flew to Denmark, and now he's playing in Denmark apparently with rental clubs because the airline. Like he landed at ten thirty in I assume Copenhagen and had a one thirty tee time from Dallas to Copenhagen. I, I don't know. I would just at that point call it a day and I, I guess maybe it's his national 
event of some sort. But th- that's, that's not. Uh, I, I love that though. Like bar, like yeah. this is uh, this is like that's why my favorite event of the weird 2020 college football season was the Coastal Carolina BYU game because they arranged it in right. Like yeah, they arranged Great it in analogy. five days. Yep. And just decided to play it, which I think is how most things should be. So, like, yeah, man, I'm I'm pulling for you. Barnstorming is deeply underrated. All right, let's uh, transition from Denmark to uh, I'm going to do a Precision Pro Flashback Friday on the the Godfather of, of Danish golf, Thomas Bjorn. But first of all, thanks to Precision Pro for sponsoring Flashback Friday all, all year. Uh, you can go to PrecisionProGolf.com. Use the promo code ShotgunStart20 to get twenty dollars off their NX9 Slope. They have the best customer service going. A lot of people call up our, our favorite friend, Eric, over there. If you have any questions, they have lifetime battery replacement. They've also just come out with this new uh, R1 range finder that connects to the Precision Pro app on your phone. Kind of calculates real-time weather conditions like, I don't know, air density, wind, how far you usually hit the ball or don't hit the ball, and, and kind of gives you a more accurate yardage. That's their newest latest and greatest uh, range finder, but uh, shotgun start 20 gets you $20 off the NX nine slope. So thanks to PrecisionProGolf.com. This golf.com. Uh, this week's flashback Friday will be on Thomas Bjorn uh, just as I don't know, related to the uh, made in Himmerland event over in uh, Denmark. He was the first uh, Danish player to win on the European tour. Uh, he has 21 pro wins, 15 on the European tour, two Dunlop Phoenix opens, he was the first Danish player to make the Ryder Cup in 1997, Seve's team at Valderrama. He made it in 2002 and 2014 as well, and then was the captain in France, as many of you know. Um, <clears throat> as a uh, He's a runner-up, never won a major. He's kind of this dyed-in-the-wool Euro Tour uh, sort of loyalist, never really played the PGA Tour, never won on the PGA Tour. He had a runner-up at the 2005 PGA, and he was runner-up at the 2003 Open Championships, which we'll focus on primarily for this Flashback Friday. Alan Shipnuck did a profile on him back in 1998, um, and he, he had a little bit on his background. So big dreams are nothing new. This is from Alan Shipnuck. Are nothing new to a kid who grew up a golfer in a country largely indifferent to the sport. As Spencer just said, they're too happy to care about golf. In a small city named Silkeborg in the Lakes District of Western Denmark, Bjorn took up the game at six, but his hero was not an imported American glamour puss, but rather his mother, a crack five handicapper, and especially his brother Soren, four years his senior who would go on to earn all Southwest Conference honors at Baylor. Could you imagine going from like this Western Lakes district of Denmark into Waco, getting dropped into Waco to play college golf? That, that's like, a, that's oh. like a trend with some of these Europeans. Like East Tennessee State gets all these like Northern Irish players. They have a Polish, a 6'6 Polish kid. Doesn't, it's, yeah, there's like, there's the, that's, is it Victor Hovland? Yeah, Victor Hovland, yeah. Hovland, yeah, yeah he's, he's at Oklahoma State. Right. I will tell the the Oslo to Stillwater culture shock, substantial. <laughs> Going from Western Denmark to Waco had to be just a, yeah. I, I never, I don't understand how these pipelines get started, but I guess it just takes one. Like the East Tennessee State one always confuses me. Uh, all the, Roy McElroy was going to go there, I think, until he decided to turn pro. Um so, but Thomas never, Thomas said he was done, didn't want to do college, turned pro, didn't follow his brother Soren to Baylor, uh, be, turns pro, becomes the greatest Danish golfer of all time, never won a major, did come close at, at the 2003 Open, which uh, he allegedly, I heard a story about Bjorn last week, uh, not maybe one of the happiest uh, people, like that happy, happiest city being Copenhagen. I heard his temper is just outrageous. Once put a cigarette out on his caddy's hand. I heard that last week, actually. In Cuba, after the caddy like gave him a bad yardage or bad advice, put, put a cigarette out on his caddy's hand. Just a maybe an urban legend, but I heard that I, last week. And can, can I ask you a quick question, Brendan? Yes. In ninety-five yes. percent of cases, you're putting money on the caddy over the golfer because life's been a probably lot. Right. Life's been a lot harder for the caddy, and the, the caddy <laughs> does way more work. Right. That's probably right. That's a good. Apparently, he's just he's got a, a insane temper. Uh, so related to that, 2003 Open, he loses by a shot to Ben Curtis. 
Part of that was on the 17th hole on Thursday at Royal St. George's. After he failed to blast out of a greenside bunker, he angrily slammed his wedge into the sand. Quote, an idiotic move that carried a two-shot penalty and led to a quadruple bogey. He lost it by one shot. He lost the open by one shot. Took a two-shot penalty for angrily slamming his wedge into the sand. On Sunday, he led. He had a three-stroke lead with four holes to play, and he finished bogey, double bogey, bogey, and par, and lost by a shot to Ben Curtis because he took uh, three to get out of a bunker at, at uh, 16th. So that was like his close... He had other close calls. Like 2011, when... Uh, DJ's like blast off the universe, and which gave Darren Clark the win, uh, is was another close call. But I had forgotten about the 03 Open. Ben Curtis, the, the two shot penalty for just getting pissed off and taking a big chunk of sand ended up being the difference between a claret jug and not. Uh, is got to be a tough pill to swallow, even 18 years later. So I mean, don't I'll say this as somebody <laughs> whose family is you know uh, distantly Scandinavian. Yeah, uh, the anger is real. It might be, because he's probably cool most of the time. But when he's right. mad, yes. it's going to go sideways fast. Well, that's what they, he's like this brooding type, right? He's pretty soft-spoken, you know, and just sort of uh, deadpan most of the time. And then, uh, you know, are when you it goes sure? sideways, it goes back. Are we sure he's not Finnish? Like, that's... that's <laughs> there could what... be some elements there. Yeah, because this definitely sounds Finnish. If you told me that he walked off the course like midway through and was seen like sleeping in the woods, you know, because right. he was angry. That's, I would totally right. believe that. Right. But he is a national hero. The Danish golf, especially they, they talked about it. Like as soon as he won, they started covering him like Tiger Woods. Cause Denmark doesn't have a massive sporting history. I, I found like a couple soccer players, uh, a couple Olympians, but yeah, Thomas Bjorn, maybe one of the, if not the most accomplished, I don't want to go that far. It's not a subject I know enough about, but, but certainly a national sports hero they said he was covered like tiger woods and that's your uh flashback friday when he took a chunk out of the sand cost him the open championship spencer thank you so much i took more of your time than i said i would thank you so much for joining filling in for andy i really appreciate it no oh, no my pleasure hope i hope i uh hope i kept the lofty standard at least you, abs- you know several feet there's under no, there's no standard here there's absolutely no standard <laughs> oh good okay lived up to it uh, anything we need to look out for, just follow you, EDSBS on Twitter. Anything? Yeah, you should... follow me, EDSBS on Twitter, uh, the, shot, the Shutdown Fullcast, the all, Internet's only college football podcast, available right. wherever you uh, wherever you get your podcast. And uh, yeah, Shotgun Start, evidently. I would say, yeah, if you have any kind of interest in this podcast, you would probably, hopefully, that, that is much, much more uh intellectually stimulating entertaining i'm sure but uh i think you would like that as well i I assume if you listen to this you probably already listened to that anyways but shut down full cast all right spencer thanks so much for joining us and uh we'll talk to you soon my pleasure